Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast powered by Tennis Warehouse. In one of our initial episodes, we introduced you guys to our Tennis Warehouse University professor, Crawford Lindsay, and our in-house string and racket guru, Jonathan Wolf. They're back, and last time we talked about the basics of power potential, but today I'm going to do my best to try and keep up with them, but we're going to talk more in depth and define power potential and explain why this is important for you guys out there and why you should understand it. Just to preface this, both Jonathan and I have come equipped with our bangs. (laughs) We're ready to go. We're super excited to dive into this topic. So Crawford, take it away. Uh, Where are we going? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We left off with the very basics. We left off at the very basics and we were talking about power potential. Yes. And as you recall in our last exciting episode, yes, <laughs> uh, we defined power potential of a tennis racket as the ratio. Oh, God, I said ratio. Oh, no, no. Too we're too already soon. into math. Too, too soon. Too soon. Right. <laughs> okay, anyway. So power potential is the ratio of the outgoing speed of the ball compared to the incoming speed of the ball. Okay. So... If the ball is coming into a stationary racket, just sitting there on the table, yes, uh, upright, balancing on its butt, as we all are, um, <laughs> and it comes in at, say, 50 miles an hour, and it bounces out at 20 miles per hour, the ratio is 20 divided by 50, and that is whatever it is. Yeah, I, I left my calculator yeah, okay. at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, say it comes out at 25 miles per hour, then we know it's 0. 0.50. Okay. okay. So that is the definition of the power ratio. And we said it's the most important uh, measurement we do because it is the cumulative uh, result of everything that goes into a racket, whether it be the vibration, uh, the head size, the the string pattern, uh, the swing weight, the weight, the balance, the twist weight, everything. The result is how fast the ball comes off of the racket. Uh In this case, bounces off. Right. Because the racket is stationary. Yes. Okay. Uh, how are we doing so far? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think we can overstate this enough because, I mean, we've all seen uh, power formulas over the years by vendors or various institutional bodies. But this seems to be the thing that actually gets down to what's happening with the racket. Correct. It is the actual performance of the racket. And the velocity of the ball is the number one indicator of what the racket is doing. Right. And then you're on the other end of it feeling what you think the racket did to the ball. And you're feeling the vibration and uh, the buttery feel and the, all, all, of the, all of the stuff that we say is happening down there. Yeah. But uh, what happened was the ball left the racket at a certain velocity and that's that. 
Okay, and then you can describe it any way you want on your handle end and uh, right. and your perception of the shot and where it went and how fast it went and what it did to the other player and whether you won the point or not. Okay. Okay, and all those things go into you. Whoa, I really hit that one good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, unless you measure it, you don't know how well you really did hit it. But anyway, so the reason that's so important is it is the final performance of the racket and... You can compare, so we measure every racket compared to every other racket Mm -hmm. on 13 locations on the string bed. Okay. But the one location you're concerned about is where you generally hit. Right. And you can tell that by looking at your racket where all the fuzz is, the ball fuzz, and uh, that's where most of your shots are being hit. Yeah. And most people hit either right in the center of the racket or a little bit above. Mm -hmm. And so we've measured the power potential at each one of those spots of every single racket. So you can compare using our tools every racket to every other racket at any location you want to see which racket is more powerful. Okay. Okay. And jump in here and make a joke or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me try to wrestle this thing down to earth. Um, the, the, the first problem is nailing down what we mean by power. There is the intrinsic power of the racket, which depends on the distribution of mass. And then there is the shot speed a given player realizes on court, uh, which is based on stroke speed. If a player wants more power, they have to increase the intrinsic power of the racket and or their stroke speed. Those are the two ways to get there, if I'm understanding you correctly. Uh, Having said that, are there any exceptions to this rule? For instance, is it possible to increase the power potential of your racket but not get higher ball velocity? Okay, so we're going to jump into the weeds here right yeah. away. <laughs> Maybe, okay, so it wasn't so much. I came in too hot. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll go to the exception here first. And that would be that whenever we show a racket indicating a higher power potential, like you called it, the intrinsic power of the racket is greater if it has a higher number. More intrinsic power will always, almost always means is that there's more mass distributed in the head. And so as you go from, say, you went from 40% in the middle of the racket to 50%, that's a big jump in mass distribution that must be allocated to the head area, which means it's going to be harder to swing. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the time and most logical jumps and, and, and things that people would do, they would jump in swing weight from, say, and mass from, say, 300 or 310 swing weight to 315, 320 and Mm -hmm. try that. That's not going to slow your swing down very much. You're going to be able to probably handle that in most cases. And therefore, because you can swing at the same speed as you did before with the heavier racket, uh, you're going to get more power. But if you made a jump such that you could not maintain the same racket speed and you actually swung uh, slower, uh, then the net result could be actually a slower shot. Right, right. So it can happen, but most of the time, for most players, they always have enough in reserve, and the jump in swing weight to get more power isn't enough for them to really slow their swing speed down enough Mm -hmm. to decrease the shot speed. But... We talked about this a little bit on the previous episode where 
There could be a powerful racket that a player might not be able to swing effectively. So that gets a little confusing, I think. Like, I'm just easily thinking off the top of my head, Babble Up, Pure Drive, Wilson RF 97, Autograph, Pro Staff. Babble Up, Pure Drive, loaded with power and easy to swing. RF 97, loaded with power, not so easy to swing. Which one has more power potential? Do you know off the top of your head? Without looking. Well, I don't. I don't know the numbers, but because it's, hard, because it's harder to swing, I would imagine the RF ninety seven has more I'm mass in the head. Yeah, I'm betting yeah. It, at most locations it has higher power potential. Now, whether you get whether you get more that's, shot speed, yeah, and that's what I want to make the distinction. Jonathan already made it is power potential. We're, we're going to just call the intrinsic uh, power generating mm-hmm. uh, ability of the racket as power, and the result is the shot speed. So yeah, I suspect in that case, if you can't get the same shot speed, there's only one reason that can happen. Right, it's because your swing has slowed down enough to overcompensate for the increase in power. Which is something that we need to make sure that people, when they are looking for the most powerful racket, realize if they do not, if they're not educated about swing weight or where the weight is on a racket, if we gave you the most powerful racket and said the RF-97 is going to be your most powerful option, but you are a 3.0 or 3.5 player and you don't have the mechanics to swing it, that's not going to be a powerful racket for you. It, well, it may or may not. I mean, because you're not swinging as hard as you can anyway. But you, you don't know whether you could even go from 300 to 330. You may be able to do that. That's true. You just don't know until you, until you try it. And in lab experiments, the transition point where you really slow down such that the added weight does not increase the speed, but instead slows the racket down so much that you lose ball speed mm-hmm. is at about 340 um, swing weight. Okay. So that's pretty high. That's pretty high. Yeah. So you can lose speed with a powerful racket, but I would say most of the time you're going to gain ball velocity okay. by going up. And there, for everybody, there's going to be a limit. You can't swing uh, you know, a yeah. racket that's 700 swing weight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you certainly could try. <laughs> but, but, uh, so everybody will have that transition point. But most of the time for normal jumps in swing weight um, and in power potential, the shot speed is going to increase because of the added power. Uh, more than you're going to lose in the decrease in swing speed. Okay. The fact of the matter is, at the same swing speed for both rackets, the racket with the higher power potential will always hit the ball faster. And then a little bit slower swing speed, it probably will still hit the ball faster. But if you lose two or three miles per hour on your swing, then the added power from the higher power potential isn't going to help because you've lost so much in swing speed. Okay. But to lose two or three miles per hour in swing speed, it's going to be a pretty hefty racket. Right. Okay. So well, speaking of, <laughs> of weight and mass and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. Now, Originally, I thought I was going to have three examples of how to describe why the weight, the racket makes a difference mm-hmm. and how that contributes to um, 
the bounce of the ball. And I'm going to try to give that to you oh, anyway. Here it comes. All because, right, get ready. Because I had get, this packed up. Get your seatbelt on. <laughs> we not, threw them off. I'm not going to leave oh, it on we set. Thought, we thought we were we trying to avoid the, the, the sticky situation. Right, so, three okay, conceptual situations. Okay, right. okay. Yeah. you got your concept hat on? Oh, All right. Okay. I left okay. it in the other room. <laughs> Imagine. Okay. So, you're going to drop a ball from 100 inches onto a concrete pavement okay from 100 inches what's 100 inches like <laughs> it's 2.54 meters clearly okay or something like come that. on <laughs> what's wrong with you so drop it from 100 inches it's going to hit the pavement at about 16 miles per hour okay and it's going to bounce at 12 miles per hour mm-hmm. 12 divided by 16 is you Again, can do this. You can do this. You got this. Yeah, you got this. I've seen is you do it before. 0.75, which means the bounce off the earth, <laughs> which is our racket in this case. Okay. Because it's being concre- supported by and, the earth. And the concrete pavement yeah. is the string bed. Yes. So it's an infinite weight racket with an infinitely stiff string bed. Mm-hmm. And it's going to give you 75%. Return Why on only seventy five percent. No. Oh, John, oh, no. come on! <laughs> no, you know. got this. Why do you okay. ask? <laughs> it's only seventy five percent because during impact. In fact, this is the rules of tennis are written right, this way. Right. This is a big one. When you drop a tennis ball from a hundred inches, yep. it has to bounce between fifty three inches and fifty eight inches. Right. Okay. And those are the rules of tennis. So a ball has to be designed so that it loses energy. You don't want it to bounce back up to 100 inches, which, of course, it can't because everything loses energy during impact and deformation. But anyway, so the ball is designed to lose 45% of the energy that it had at impact, the kinetic energy it had of its 16 miles per hour. So ball manufacturers design it. Yeah, so that, that it, I don't yeah. think many of us knew that. No, yeah, I didn't maybe, know that. maybe I'm the only one no, in the room that I didn't know that. No, so to bounce 53 to 58 inches means that you're going to lose on average 45% of the energy that you had at impact. Mm-hmm. Where it goes to is in the design of the ball, the ball deforms when it hits the, the pavement. And some of that energy goes into, just like the string bed, it goes into elastic. It's saved in, in elastic energy. Okay, and then the ball's going to spring back and give back some of the energy it stored. But it didn't store everything because some of that energy's wasted, lost in friction of the ball, mm-hmm. um, compressing, and some of it's lost in noise and heat. And a big part of it is lost when the ball deforms a certain amount, it will actually buckle. Okay. So that it goes elastically, it's squishing nicely, and then all of a sudden, you know, somehow it just buckles. And that's the same thing as if you were hitting with your tennis racket and the strings stretched and they were ready to give the ball some energy back and then one of the strings broke. So that's where the energy goes and the ball is designed to do exactly that on a concrete surface. Okay, so that's the first scenario. Okay, we got one. No, it's a good thing we got through that. One scenario, we have the infinite weight racket. Two scenarios to go. Infinite weight racket with infinite stiffness string bed. Yeah. Okay, now. That's easy to understand. (laughs) Now, we're going to put an actual racket on that pavement, on that concrete pavement. We're going to step on the handle with our foot so that the racket is secured to the earth. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we still have an infinite weight racket, but we have a string bed now that's not infinite stiffness. No. 
dropped the ball from 100 inches again. 100 meters. And the ball will bounce approximately 78 inches. It's still going to hit at 16 miles per hour. Okay. And it's going to bounce instead of 12 miles an hour this time. It's going to bounce at about 14 miles per mm, hour. Quick math. Yep. And so yeah. quick math would be 14 <laughs> divided by 16. Okay. And now the power potential is 88%. Is okay. it fair to say This is sounding pretty good now. Yeah. No, that sounds impressive. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. I mean, but is it fair to say that one of the reasons that happened is because the strings caused less ball deformation? Bingo. See? Wow, you're that. so I, smart. Well, I kind of worked that one out beforehand <laughs> in the mirror. So I've been, I'm impressed. We, yeah, I've been waiting okay, for that. Okay, so, yeah. so yes, the, the, um, the strings are softer than the ball. Right. Unless it's polyester at 70 pounds. Which is what Michelle plays Which was Michelle plays <laughs> So there you go. Oops. But the strings nope. are usually softer than the ball. So more of the energy is going to go into deforming the strings and less into deforming the ball. And we saw that the ball, the more it compresses, the more it loses energy. Right. So the strings, when they deform and stretch and compress, they actually store anywhere from 85 to 95 percent of the energy that goes into them. Okay. So they're much more efficient at giving energy back. So yeah. the more energy you can get into stretching the strings instead of compressing the ball, the more energy you're going to get back. Clearly. So anyway, in this situation with the now infinite weight racket, mm. you know, standing on the earth, but it now has strings. Yeah. It has a higher power higher potential. Higher power potential. Yeah. The infinite, yeah. If you can swing an infinite weight racket, <laughs> your power potential is going to be approximately 88%. Ah, so okay. there's something to look forward I'd to. I'd love okay. to try. Right. right. Now. Exactly. Did we sell that? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Okay, give us scenario number three. Number two. And number three is now we pick up the racket. Okay. And we hold it horizontally in our hand. Right. So it's a handheld racket. And we're going to drop the ball again from 100 inches. Yes. This time, the results aren't that good. No. We're going to hit in the middle of the racket again, and the ball is going to hit the racket at 16 miles per hour again, uh -huh. but it's only going to bounce up at 6 miles per hour. Okay. And 6 miles per hour divided by 16 is approximately... Point four. Okay. So that's Ra rounded off. It's about forty percent. So we've gone we from went way down there. So the power <laughs> potential not... now is forty percent. Right. The ball only bounced in this case sixteen inches. Not off yeah, of, not so, so good. Uh, not so good. Mm -hmm. And the reason is the only thing we've changed here is we've changed the weight of the racket from infinity to in the middle of the racket about one hundred and seventy grams of effective weight. Okay. The whole racket, say, weighs 340. Lost me there. Well, the whole, ra the whole racket <laughs> like, weighs about 340. Okay. Let's just say it's not infinite. It's yeah, not yeah, infinite. the opposite right. of infinite. Anyways, so it's, we're trading it's far it. less than infinite. Right. Okay. And so that's the only thing we changed there. Yeah. Now, the moral to that little story is that mass made all the difference in the world, and the location of the mass makes all the difference in the world. So even though we went from infinity to 340 grams or 170 grams in the middle of the racket— if we go from 170 grams to 150 grams, that's going to make a difference, too. Mm -hmm. And it's the only thing that you change there right. is, is that, and it's going to change the power potential. And now I lied because I'm going to throw in a fourth concept. <laughs> yeah, what happens if we swing the racket? <laughs> How do you know? Dude, I am so on this. <laughs> okay, that's, that's concept number four. We're still dropping the ball from 100 inches, but we're going to swing up into the ball at 20 miles per hour. So the ball is going to drop, and after 100 inches, it's going to be going 16 miles per hour. Uh, we're going to swing the racket up into that location where it's at 16 miles per hour at 20 miles per hour, 
The resulting impact speed, therefore, is 20 plus 16 is 36 miles per hour. That is the impact speed. The power potential is still 40% on that racket mm-hmm. that we're holding in our hands. So 0.4 times 36 is approximately 14 miles per hour is the speed at which the ball is going to bounce from the racket. Now, it's bouncing from a racket that's already traveling 20 miles per hour. So we add that back in, and the final shot velocity is 14.4 bounce speed plus 20 miles per hour. Racket speed is uh, 34 miles per hour. And this is what, Michelle, you have to be thinking about when you swing the racket. (laughs) Uh, Clearly, this is not... I never, ever think about this when I'm swinging a racket. I want you to think, what is my bounce speed and what is my swing speed? (laughs) Yeah, you're on the side of the court with your head in your hands. So, like we said at the beginning... (laughs) <laughs> We're going to get deep into the weeds. Yeah. We're not going to yeah, be able say, to get out. We need a lifeguard. We need yeah. some help. Yeah. Yeah. I've been asking we for a lifeboat. <laughs> and maybe we will just have to come back again and go into an easier subject next time. <laughs> I think you just like called us dumb. spin. Oh, yeah. Something fun. Spin. Right. Sure. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, I think we just kind of started hitting the surface level of that. And Jonathan and I are looking at each other and we're kind of shaking our heads. So, okay, we're going to cut off Crawford because Jonathan and I, our brains just exploded and we're going to have to go figure out how to come back from this. Um, There's no amount of bang that will help. But thank you guys so much for joining us. And if you want to continue to learn about this stuff, the quickest way you can do that is to head over to TWU, which is TWU.tennis-warehouse.com and go check out those experiments, all of those studies, all of the power potential, everything. There's so much out there. And we would love to continue the conversation. And we also want to know what you guys are interested in learning about or if you have any questions. So please send us an email if you want to continue this topic at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review Talk Tennis wherever you listen to podcasts. And when you do leave your review, let us know what topics you'd like to cover next time and any questions you have. Each week, we'll be picking random questions from our listeners to answer in our next episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. I mean, I don't even know how to recover after all yeah, of that science and it's math. It's, long, it's tough. A long process. Yeah. So until recovery. next time, happy hitting.